Hello, I'm delighted to welcome you to join us on Search for Truth, and thanks for tuning in. Brian, our Bible teacher, is looking into how the first disciples, and there were more than 3,000, organised their church life, and where they found their scriptural blueprint for church operation. It did have a scriptural basis, yes, and the word script is used as an acronym to elaborate on the different fundamentals of church life. Today we come to the third letter of script, which is R, and it stands for rulers, or otherwise, in other places, called overseers. So here's Brian to explain. Thanks, John. These days, people like to try their hand at designing their own clothing, or garden, or home extension. It's natural then, I suppose, for some to think that the same philosophy could apply to the spiritual landscape. Are we free to design our own church? And that brings us to the question of how should we interpret the Bible? After the four Gospels, we next come to the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This is the history book of early Christianity, and it's God's history book, telling us authoritatively about all that happened. But the question is, should this be treated as a mere example to guide us as a starting point? Or does it serve as an exact blueprint that God still intends us to be using today, right up until the return of Christ for his church? It's either to be viewed as a record whose underlying guidelines could be reworked in different ways at different times, or as an exact pattern to be followed in detail by churches in every generation. Throughout the Bible, certainly from Exodus to Hebrews, we find God repeating the words, make it according to the pattern. So in some sense, it would be unusual, perhaps even surprising, to come to any other conclusion than the one that takes the happenings in Acts to be not only descriptive, but also prescriptive. In other words, we are meant to serve by the very same pattern today. Let's then continue to share the script, that is the scriptural pattern, in five of its essentials. And as spelt out by the letters of the word script, let's remind ourselves of what they stand for. And indeed, let's check them independently against our own reading of the Bible. S. In any one town there was one single church, regardless of how many companies it was comprised of. S is for single. C. The Lord's table was closed to all but baptised and added believers, with addition to one local church, meaning addition to all. C is for closed. R. The rule of overseers was recognised in each of these churches, with these acting together in matters affecting the doctrine and practice of all the churches. R is for rulers. Taking I and P together, the churches were all integrated people in one interdependent community of churches, and not independent or centrally dependent. IP stands for integrated people. And finally, T. The temple or house of God was comprised of all those churches unitedly together in service. T is for temple. Now let's deal with a middle item in that list. In other words, R is for rule. So far, we've talked about the two New Testament ordinances of baptism and the breaking of the bread sometimes referred to as Holy Communion. We've noted them occupying positions two and six in the ordered list of seven features of a biblical church of God, as listed in Acts chapter two, 
verses 41 and 42. It's now time to mention the two church offices or officers that we find mentioned in our Bibles. By this, we're referring to church elders and deacons. Many ecclesiastical traditions would recognise many more and would elaborate a hierarchical structure. But if we were to stick to only what's found in our Bibles, we're left with just the two, elders and deacons. Our focus will be on elders. The first century churches of God were ruled by elders. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. The rule of elders was recognised in each church of God. These acting together in matters affecting the doctrine and practice of all the churches. The word that we are translating as elder is a New Testament word that denotes a Christian brother who's spiritually mature. Now, it's worth reading about Paul in Acts chapter 20. It says there, from Miletus, he sent word to Ephesus and called to himself the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's Acts 20, verses 17 and 28. You'll notice that after calling for the elders, the Apostle Paul addresses them as overseers. Obviously, he's talking to the same group of people, and he can equally describe them as elders or overseers. As we say, the word elder describes the character of the church officer as being someone who is spiritually mature, whereas the word overseer describes not the character of the person, but rather his duty or function. He's someone who oversees or supervises, for example, the welfare of others. It's also key to pick up from that same verse we've read that it's the Holy Spirit that makes overseers. Clearly, this is something that gets recognised and formalised at a human level and is discerned by comparing the candidate over against the list of qualities found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Such persons, made by the Spirit and appointed within the church, should be respected. Proper biblical subjection to our church leaders doesn't depend on us recognising that they are necessarily correct in a particular matter, Far less does it assume they are necessarily more gifted than we are. We would have to say that's not the issue. In Hebrews 13 verse 17, we are told to obey and to submit to our church leaders. They've been recognised as suited by the Holy Spirit for the holding of that office, as judged against that list of qualities we've mentioned found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. They should be respected, therefore, as shepherds who are apt to teach. But it isn't required that they are the strongest in the word, although you might expect that to be generally the case. Nor are they required to be the most active evangelists, although you might expect them to promote and facilitate evangelism. Church elders in the New Testament are consistently mentioned in the plural. Their safety in a multitude of counsellors, the Bible says. We don't read of a local church community being presided over by a single person. What we can read about are statements such as the following from Acts chapter 15, verse 6. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Also, when difficulties, even accusations of malpractice arose, the apostle Paul wrote, Do not accept an accusation against an elder, except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. 
This shows that there was mutual accountability within the local circle of the elders. And the Apostle Peter makes it even more explicit when he talks about his fellow elders. Despite being an apostle, he recognises the other elders as his co-elders or fellow elders. He says this, Therefore I urge elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness. Not yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's First Peter chapter 5 and the first five verses. And the context there would strongly suggest that the subjection of the younger to the older was within the local church oversight. It went even beyond that, because the Apostle Peter was addressing his letters to believers in the churches that were located in a wide area comprised of five Roman provinces that he names in the opening greeting. Very clearly then, none of these local churches in the earliest Bible times was under the authority of just one man, whether he was called elder or pastor or was known by any other title. The New Testament emphasises for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some of the spiritual gifts that were given to believers. Christians were never intended to be spectators, allowing all the work to be done by one person. Rather, the vision that comes across overall from the New Testament pages is that of a company of born-again disciples, all baptised by immersion in water, all added locally to Church of God fellowship, all within an overall community serving according to one pattern of teaching everywhere, maintained under a fellowship of elders and separated to God. And so the R stands for rulers in our use of the word script to communicate something of the biblical pattern. And we've noted that it's in the plural for each local church. Yeah.
So I hope you uh, found today's study interesting and helpful. And if you have a question about any of the talks in this series, then do write in to sft at churchesofgod.info and discuss it with Brian. The transcript book of all the talks in this series is also a helpful uh, aid, so please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted out to you. Just ask for the title, A Good Place to Begin, and don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. We've almost reached the end of today's programme, but thanks again for the privilege and the pleasure of your company. I'd be delighted if you join me again next time for the next letters in script are I and P, and we'll learn what those letters stand for. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.